0: Kensington, how's everyone doing? Thanks for coming. We're starting a brand new series today about parenting and family, so we put together a really cool medley of of some sitcom uh, songs, so hope you enjoy it and have fun with it. At this day and age To see any good news On the newspaper page the Love and tradition Of a grand desire Some people say It's even harder to find Well then there must be Some magic you Inside these gentle walls Seems today, that all you see is violence in movies and sex on TV. But where are those good old fashioned values on which we used to rely? Lucky there's a family guy, lucky there's a man who positively can do all the things that make us laugh and cry. He's a fan. Now this is a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down And I like it, take a second just to sit right there I'll tell you how we became the sense of a town called Bel Air Come on, I know you know it Bel Air. I whistled for yeah, a cab, but when it came near, the license is to fresh a to dice mirror. If anything, I could see that this cab is rare, but I thought, nah, forget it. it. You're home to Bel Air. I pulled up to the house about seven or eight, and I yelled to the cab, you home, smile later. Looked at my kingdom, I was finally there, to sit on my throne as a prince of Bel Air.
1: How you guys doing today? There we go. Can we give it up for those guys one more time? Thanks for being here, guys, and thank you for braving that crazy weather. You guys are crazy coming out in this, but thank you for being here. It is awesome to have you guys here. I'm excited to be here with you guys. I don't know if you guys noticed it, but some of those songs were great and awesome, and I loved them, but some of them, not so great. Some of those shows, not so great. But the truth is, they all influence our kids. They all impact your kids. And today you showed up for our new series, It's Just a Phase, Don't Miss It. So we're going to be talking about your family dynamics. We're going to be talking about raising family and raising kids. And I I don't know about you, but what, what I'm picking up, I work with the middle school and high school students here at Clinton Township, but I cannot imagine what a tough job parenting must be In today's world, a culture that is changing so rapidly, it's so hard to keep up. So over the next four weeks, we're going to be going through this stuff. And Chris is going to jump into that with us today in a little bit. But before we do that, I just want to update you guys on a couple of things that are going on with our students. So Breakaway, our middle school, uh, our, the middle school ministry here, we have our all-nighter coming up. Breakaway, takeover. So we have three locations. We're going to be starting at the Orion campus, and we're going to have an awesome service there. A big show, a band. It's going to be great and some incredible teaching. And then we're moving them right into the chaos over at the Legacy Center. This place was literally designed for middle schoolers. There's like a trampoline park, go-karts, all sorts of food, dodgeball. It's just chaos. And then we'll be bringing them to Dave and Buster's for unlimited gaming, of course. It's going to be awesome. So if you have a middle schooler or know someone with a middle schooler, make sure you sign up for that. It is not something your kid or your student is going to want to miss. So don't miss that. Um, There are so many things going on here at Kensington for your students. And I I don't have time to touch on them all this morning, but we have mission trips. We have retreats. We have weekly programs that are run. So if you guys have a student and you have uh, uh, a child that wants to get involved or you, you know they need that push, please come find me in the lobby after service. I would love to answer any questions you guys have. Secondly, we have our intentional parenting class that's going along with our service today, and there are limited spots. So make sure you go out into the lobby, go to starting point, they'll point you towards the right table, and you guys can sign up for that. And all the men in the room might already know that the men's Clinton Township pig out was canceled yesterday because of the weather, and we didn't get to dig into the bad brads. It was really sad. But the good news is it's it's rescheduled for two weeks from now, and if you haven't already signed up, this is your, your second cha- chance. Make sure you go home and sign up for it. You guys, this is a really cool event. There's at least 100 guys from Clinton Township Campus that are showing up to this event. Each year we run it. It's awesome. We're going to hear some incredible teaching. It is going to be a solid time to connect, to maybe meet some new guys, build some relationships. I'm going. I hope you guys sign up as well. Um, but why don't you guys all stand up right now and say hi to someone you don't know. Thanks.
2: All right, well, good morning. My name is Chris Zarbon, the lead pastor. That was Tyler Verrier, our uh, director of students and student ministries. Hey, we just want to go ahead and just kind of champion what he said. We want to uh, welcome you to our series. Uh, but also, I would like to convince you that this is for everybody. Because the bottom line is, is some of you have kids that are already grown, Uh, and you're thinking, hey, this series may not be for me. Uh, Some of you are like, well, I'm not a parent yet, uh, so maybe you know uh, I'll check in a little bit later. But the bottom line is, is that this three week series, it's just a phase, is going to be able to inform us as a community, not only about our own children, but also the children that we come in contact with, uh, whether it be our grandkids or our future kids, or maybe it's just a friend's child, because if you know a child anywhere, this is going to help us be informed and then also know exactly what to contribute to what we believe is God's ultimate plan for raising up children in this next generation and passing down our faith. All of us are engaged. All of us have a responsibility. And so uh, we started with... uh, some family sitcoms, and now we, we, we're hearing from teenagers and little kids. We're about to get a little slice of what happens uh, back uh, in, in those back rooms at Kensington Kids. So uh, kids, come on out, and our vocalists are out, and then we're going to go ahead and uh, have them lead us uh, with some of the songs that they sing back there. And just, just so you'll know that uh, our K-Kids program, from the very beginning, since Kensington has been started... Our kids program is not a glorified baby service, you know, babysitting service. If some of you may think that, we believe that, uh, all the effort that gets put into launching an anchor in our kids' faith is going to last with them. And so there are just as incredible moments that happen in our kids' ministry as happen in our auditorium. So let's sit back and let's let these guys lead us. Give them a round of applause, would you?
0: your eyes Makes my heart come alive Suddenly brought to life When I met you up I think it's one you guys might know so if you know it sing along with us right your glory's breaking through the
3: She took her first
4: look step. Her. Have a great day, sweetie. I hope she'll be okay.
1: Oh, she'll be fine. All right, hold still, honey. Here we go. Yeah, there it is. Okay, let's take a look. Oh, it's not too bad. Just a scratch.
4: I think she needs stitches. Stop. I know, I know. I'm so sorry, honey. Girls can be mean Be careful And remember, everyone out there is an idiot oh. oh, honey, you look so beautiful What's his name? Seriously? Oh, Look at you My goodness
2: Honey, we're really proud of you Okay, you're gonna do great
4: I'll FaceTime you around four every day
2: <laughs> We'll see about that are you okay?
4: Yeah, I'll, I'll be fine. It just went
2: so fast. I know. I know. Well, nothing like crying when you start your message. Thanks a lot, video team. If you have kids that have gone through those phases, then you already know that's that's really sad that's really emotional. you know I have three kids, um, and I have three kids because my wife can't keep her hands off me um, I, I just don 't know what else to do. I come home and she just can't get enough. I just don 't understand it and, and it's it's sad I tell her i'm like i'm like sometimes I just want to cuddle, you know. I tell her I'm just, I'm not like, I'm not, I'm not a piece of meat. So, totally kidding. Uh, this is my family. I've got, uh, three kids. Sarah's on your right. She's now 24. Uh, Tori is now 18 on your left-hand side. Stephen's on my back, and that's Elizabeth in the middle. We're on top of Stone Mountain in Atlanta, Georgia. This was taken a few years back. Uh, but I've got three in college next year, right? All three in college, right? So I don't know what in the world, uh, I'm gonna be able to do there. But, um, when the bottom line is, is when, uh, when I actually uh, heard this quote from Andy Stanley. We, we love Andy Stanley here at, at Kensington from North Point Church. He, he did a quote one time, uh, or he, I guess I should say he said a quote one time. And when he said it, it changed my life forever. I heard this years ago, and here's what he said. He said, your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise. And so, and, and I would even extend that and say, or maybe someone you help raise. Right, Because a lot of us are going to be involved in other children's lives, hopefully at least we'll be challenged to, by the end of this three-week series. I'd love to pray as we jump into this topic together. Would you pray with me as we begin? Father, I thank you for this day and I thank you, Lord, for this time together. I pray, Lord, that you would meet us where we are at and help us to see the bigger vision of how you established this institution called the family and whatever our role is to play in our children's lives at every age and at every phase. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to know what to do, how to reach out, how to, how to communicate and connect and to be a part of it. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We pray all of these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, well, uh, let me just start off by saying there's a few observations in this parenting system that God has designed, and here is something that we can all relate to, a couple talking points. The first one is this. Everyone has a family of origin. If we were to go around with a microphone and interview everybody, it's amazing to me over the years how I've discovered that everybody's uh, family of origin is radically different. And even even more than that is that sometimes you'll never guess that that one particular person would come from that family of origin, right? But, but it's true that every person has a family of origin. Uh, the next one is this, is that you didn't choose the who right? Uh, And by the way, there are probably moments for a lot of us growing up where that was your biggest thing, right? Like, I wish I could have chosen the who, and I don't know why this happened the way that it happened, but I got the, you know, the, the short straw. And for a lot of us, you didn't choose the who and thank the Lord because you were given some incredible who's, right? But when it comes down to it, this one phrase is so true. And there's a lot of, there's a lot that goes into that, right? About choosing the who, but you, you have who you have, and that's just the way it is. And by the way, we didn't get a choice, but neither did your kids either, so think about that. And then here's the, here's the, here's the third observation, in that we all have positive and negative experiences in our family. So regardless of how dysfunctional your family is, all of us have positive, well, I should say the majority of us probably have positive experiences. So I thought about a positive experience and a negative experience of my family growing up. So my mom and dad were divorced when I was 10 years old, and uh, my dad was not around a lot. And so I, I thought about this, but did you know that my dad somehow managed with five boys, all of them involved in sports, somehow my dad managed to come to not only every one of my baseball games, and I played baseball for 11 years from the time I was like five or six years old all the way through high school, not only did he come to every single one of my baseball games, but I seriously don't remember a single practice that I've ever had that he hadn't, that he didn't come to. I don't know how he did it, but somehow along, you know, um, amongst the craziness of his schedule and how he's being, you know, for some reason, he decided a long time ago that this was something that was going to be a priority and he was always, always, always there. And so, uh, as a matter of fact, I, I actually didn't realize it until later on in life, but I started freaking out about missing just a single one of my children's sporting events. And I said, no, we can't miss one. You know, we always have to be there. And so, for me, it was a direct connect. And it affected me. And so my wife's like, why are you freaking out about missing just one? I'm like, I don't know. And then I realized, I think I know why, because I would love for my child to get to the end of his life and say, my dad was always there. And it, it definitely had an effect on how I parent my child uh, or children. And then here's, here's a, a negative one. I thought, like, okay, what, what negative uh, s- story can I share from my family? And I thought, oh, okay, just pick one. So I, I thought about... Um, I haven't told this story in years and years, but um, I, I mentioned this before. But because my dad was not around uh, growing up, my mom worked three jobs, three jobs. So that's just incredible. So I was actually raised in a large part with my brothers who uh, we owned a bar as our family business, and there was alcoholism in our family. And so uh, one year in particular, uh, they, for some reason, got it in their mind, and this is a confession time. Let me just go on record and say definite confession time here. So my, my family came home, and uh, it was Donnie and, his, and his, all his friends from the neighborhood thought for some reason it'd be a good idea to get both me and my brother who were 10 years old, like drunk. And so they actually took our Coca-Cola and poured something in it and they said, drink it. And so we drank it. And I remember Jimmy crying, this tastes funny. And he's like, drink it. So we drank it and then they made us box each other. Uh, uh, in the living room as they watched for entertainment. This was, this was their idea of entertainment. So, I remember being like, uh, realizing that my brother was way far gone more than I was, and he was standing there, I think he was 11, I was 10, and he's standing in the living room, and he's holding up his boxing gloves, and he literally can't even stand. And, and my brother Donnie says, hit him! And I looked over and I said, I'm not hitting him. He's gonna fall down by himself. And they said, hit him or else I'll hit you and give you something really good to cry about. So I'm like, fine, that's all I needed to hear. So I remember hitting him and, and just, you know, just, I mean, it wasn't that hard, but, but he flew backwards into the Christmas tree and the Christmas tree fell down, all the babs, uh, bulbs shattered and broke. And it was just horrific. And so we ended up, you know, going to bed, all this dysfunction. My mom comes home, it was New Year's Eve. She comes home about three in the morning from her party whatever and and so we all got up out of bed she drug us all downstairs made us explain everything and we were like oh it's so bad they made us do this blah, blah, blah. and I remember in that moment what she wasn't upset about she wasn't upset about anything that happened about the alcohol or the boxing she was upset because all of her Elvis Presley bulbs had shattered and Elvis <laughs> Presley had just passed away and so that was a really big deal and she's like Elvis oh, Presley bulbs and I just remember thinking what Are you kidding me? Even back then I was so young and I'm like, who gives a flippin' rip about your Elvis Presley bulbs? But... But again, uh, that, is, that is just one small example. Now, I share that because many of you know this last series, if you were here during our addiction series, uh, that, that, uh, those among hundreds of other experiences involving alcohol have actually formed uh, the way that I choose to live my life and parents. So I've actually said before, like I choose not to have alcohol as a part of our home, not even because of it, even like a biblical or religious conviction, uh, but, but actually mostly it stems from the fact that I got to see all of it and thought, why in the world would I ever want any any of that to be a part of my life. And so I've seen all the negative effects and, And and I just decided a long time ago, it's not going to be a part of my life. So my son always tells me, he says, he goes, Dad, whenever we talk about alcohol, you have like this dysfunction. You're such a freak about alcohol. Like every time we talk about it, you just like flare up. And I'm like, yeah, maybe so, you know. But looking back, it's just because it proves the point that every positive experience and any negative experience uh, bleeds into who we are. And actually it becomes a profound part of our current reality. And so parenting is also marked by unique phases in the life of a parent and the unique phases in the life of a child. This was true for you growing up, but it's also true of your kids. So your kid goes through different phases and then you go through as well and how you interact and engage during each phase is actually really important uh, in in determining who you become and how you are shaped. It was true for you growing up, and it's true for you as a parent or as a favorite uncle or a single adult speaking into the best friend's child or a grandparent or anybody else. Uh, A lot of this information that we're going to share, in fact, most of it comes from this book right here. Uh, It's the same title as the series. It's just a phase, so don't miss it. Every Stage of Every Kid Matters, by Reggie Joyner primarily. I want you to go buy this book, and if you are even remotely interested in the very superficial kind of categories that I'm about to lay out, um, just know that this book is incredibly detailed. It's, it's radically profound, and I can't overstate it enough. If you're a parent, especially a parent of a young child, you want to get this book. I guarantee it. So here are the phases from the book as they are laid out. And then I want to read just a very small excerpt, uh, what he wrote about each phrase. So each phase, uh, the first phase is called the embrace phase from zero to five years old. And here's how he wrote uh, about this phase. In this phase, your child is asking the basic question, am I loved and am I safe? They are, in, they are motivated by safety and they are desperate for their physical needs to be met. Their minds are acting like an artist, taking in the beauty and the protection of the world. It is vital that parents embrace their physical needs as they develop their mind and body. That's primarily how we need to interact in this phase, is embrace their physical needs needs. The next phase is called the engaged phase from kindergarten through fifth grade. And it reads this way. As your child grows, they move into the engaged phase. During this phase, your child starts to seek out your attention, to look to you to ensure that you are engaged to what's important to them. You guys remember this phase? Mom, look, look. Hey, look at me. Look, look. I'm looking. Hey, dad, dad, watch, 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 right? It's like, it's just they are wrestling with the question. Here's the question they're wrestling with. Do I have what it takes? As their brains begin, uh, are beginning to look at the world like a scientist analyzing all that they have learned. As a parent, our role is to engage in their interests during this phase, helping them discover new things. Engaging in their interests. Here's the third phase. Is the affirm phase from age, you know, from the grade six through eighth. In other words, middle school. Now, as soon as you hear middle school, many of us as adults in this room are thinking, man, I wish I can go back and bury my head in the sand through this phase in our lives. For a lot of us, that was the case, right? But as parents, it is vital that we press in during and affirm our students in this phase. This phase is marked by the moments when a student's identity begins to take shape. They start asking questions like, am I liked? Who am I? Just like an engineer, your student will begin to shape who they are in this phase to invent themselves. It is our job as parents to affirm the journey, affirm the journey that our student is on, helping them navigate a complicated time. So we're supposed to embrace the physical needs in the first phase, engage their interests in the next phase, and then affirm the journey. And then finally the last phase is mobilized phase. Uh basically the high school years. We come to the mobilized phase where our students for the first time begin to push away from their family units and they branch out on their own naturally. They begin to ask questions about belonging, deeper questions about faith. They start to wrestle with their own identities outside their family unit. And as parents, it's our job to mobilize their potential, to dream with them, to challenge them, to encourage them and to step into their potential. And as they begin to go off, sometimes the train has left the station in a lot of different areas and we can't hold it back, but it's our job to mobilize their potential and to to point them in the right direction. And the way that we show up in the phases of not only our own children, but the children that we have influence over, all of us have influence in some children's life, I I would bet at one time or another, um, whether they're our own or not. But the way that we show up in the lives of the children play a significant role. And their health. So we're going to be looking at a passage, starting off a passage of scripture that's fundamental, it's foundational for parenting, and it's written by Moses. This is toward the end of Moses' life. He's the he's the voice box of God. He's the he's the you know the, the, the the voice of God in a lot of ways as he communicates to the entire nation of Israel. So I want you to picture this speech that he makes toward the end of his life as a man who is reflecting about the joys and pains of all that he's learned. Uh, under the context of of knowing how God fits into the equation. As he, as he speaks into the big picture from a 30,000 foot view. And basically it has the feeling of how life is limited and ultimately fleeting. In this moment, everybody's gathered around from every, every generation. And most scholars believe it could be up to millions of people as Moses is delivering his address. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse number 1. He says, these are the commands, decrees, and laws that the Lord your God has directed me to teach you, important word, to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. I want to stop there and say, if you if you don't know what this is about, it could seem a little strange, but Moses is leading them to a property of land over the Jordan River, a promised land that God has called them to. So he's actually kind of setting that context. And he's saying, before we get there, we're pausing and we're going to talk about some really important things. So look what it says next. It says, uh, verse number two, so that you, he starts with you, your children and, and, and after them, and uh, excuse me, so your children and their children after them may fear the Lord as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commandments that I give you so that you may enjoy a long life. So Moses says, "Rabbi, mean, what a setup, right? What a setup to what he's about to say. He's saying, here's the reason why I'm telling you this. So that you, starting with you, that your children and that their children after them for generations may live a long life. And he's associating the idea of obedience and benefits coming together under, under God's sovereignty. And At the same time, I want you to notice this, that we're going to pause there and say that I believe that Moses intentionally started with the word you. Because what we have to understand here is that we have to lead ourselves before we can lead other people. I guess I should say that differently. We, we, we should be led by God, right? So we need to become leaders first before we, before we lead other people. I believe there's a reason why we start with ourselves because we ourselves need to come together and establish who we are before we can lead others properly. And also, this is a good time to say in this moment that I believe that there's every generation here that gets the picture that Moses is about to lay out something that has to do with everybody. In other words, Nobody is designed to walk alone, right? This is a communal thing. As he's delivering this principle to a community of faith, we're reminded that nobody is designed to live life or even do parenting alone. Isn't it hard when you're alone? I mean, all you're trying to do is, you know, change the diapers. That's it. That's your only goal through the, through the day. Your only goal is to change diapers and sleep. Right Or your only goal is just to you know pack their lunches and get them off so everybody's safe, or maybe your only goal is to just play taxi in the in, in the minivan and just make sure you have enough time to you know give every kid his due, or maybe maybe it's having a conversation when your son uh, decides to you know. He decides that girls aren't gross anymore, right? And he flips, he turns the corner and you know, you're know you trying to navigate that. Whatever age or stage you're in, nobody is designed to do life alone. So just know this, the church is supposed to be a partner. That the community of faith, what Moses is saying is here is like, hey, I just want to lay this all out for everybody to know that we're all in this together from generation to generation. And so we, from the very beginning at Kensington, decided you don't have to live life alone either. So we are trying our best always to partner with you, to say the same things that you say, to value the same things that you value, and to champion what you value with your kids. So that's why I want to just pause and say this screen that Tyler talked about, this intentional parenting class. Uh, I I grabbed a card from the lobby and I actually laughed at the subtitle of this class. Listen to this. It says, a six-week crash course on rising above survival mode parenting. Isn't that a great subtitle, right? Because that's all we are. We feel like we're in survival mode parenting. If you are a parent, I promise you, you're not going to regret going out to the lobby, getting information and signing up for this thing that starts in a couple of weeks. Um, Look what uh, verse number three says. So he says, Moses goes on and says, Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey. That's the promised land. Just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. So he's about to set up the most famous words in all of history. What he's about to say next is is, is is foundational. These words have been passed on from generation to generation, all the way up to Jesus, who quoted these words. And Jesus himself used these next words to turn the world upside down. And they came from Moses. So here's what he says in verse number four. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, Here it is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And he's starting by saying, as we're walking through this speech, he's starting by saying, God is the foundation, that God should be the center of your life. Ultimately, he established that God is the central person in the family, in the story of the family. Verse number six. These commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. I want you to notice that your hearts is different than in your mind. Uh, I was in a, um, I just got the phone last night with, Uh, A student who's actually in college and she I've talked with her when she was a high school student. I've counseled her in the past. I know their family very well. And then I heard she was struggling. So I reached out to her and uh, had a conversation with her on the phone. And here's what she said. She says, here's what I'm struggling with. And then she said, I know all the answers. I just, I'm still, but yet I'm still feeling this way. See, there's a difference between having the commandments of God in your mind and then having the commandments of God in your heart because it's only when you believe it enough for it to change your countenance. Your heart is where your emotions come from. It's where your desires come from. It's where your appetites come from. It's how you feel and process and react and decide. And so that's way different than your mind. I'm not saying that we need to study and know the answers. Moses is saying, take these decrees these commandments, and have them on your heart. And I think that's, as parents, that's our job. Our job is to instill them in our children's hearts to where they believe it to such a degree that it affects everything they feel, how they believe, and how they act, and how they decide. And then it goes on and says in verse number seven, impress them on your children. Now, that word impress in the Hebrew uh, gets after the idea of repeating it until it's heard but truly heard and understood, repeating it until it's heard and understood. Um, I saw a video, you know, the idea of repeating something over and over and over. I saw a video on how to train your cat to do a trick. And, and I literally saw that on the video and it captivated me because I've got cats. I, when, I, when I grew up, I had dogs. And when I got married, I wanted all dogs. My wife grew up with cats. And so when we got married, we compromised and we got cats. <laughs> and so... And I have, I have way too many cats to be socially acceptable, right? Anything past three is socially unacceptable. Wouldn't you agree? Like if you get three, you're like, ooh, three, right? So my family has (coughs) five. And so. Which is so ridiculous. I I know some of you just checked out, but, but, uh, but anyway, but here's what it said. It's it's, basically you put your arm out and this cat runs and jumps over your arm and that's the trick. And so it's like, oh, wow, that's kind of cool. I've got a lot of cats, you know, I've got so many cats around here. Surely one of them can figure that out. And so I watched the video and here's what it said. It's like, okay, here's what you got to do. You got to trap your cat in a corner and put your body against them and against the corner and then put your arm out. And first of all, I stopped, I paused it, I go... Have you ever tried to capture a cat and trap him in a corner with claws like that is like the worst thing in the world he'll freak out all of a sudden you'll be Swiss cheese but they said go ahead and put your cat in a corner put your arm out and then like put a treat and go like this and they'll jump over your hand to get the treat right and so they said now do this like a hundred thousand times I'm like they're like then go ahead and like do the hand motion without the uh, without the treat and then take it against you know then then do it without the wall and then just start doing that and then and they're just going basically what comes down to is like if you do this a hundred and fifty million thousand times then maybe your cat will be able to jump over your arm and I thought to myself forget it I'm out right I was out at the corner like I'm done right like I'm not doing this but we but we know that if you are willing to put the time in and if you're willing to do this 150 thousand million times your cat will be able to jump over your arm and then everybody will look and say that was dumb so <laughs> but, if, but if that's important to you go ahead go for it man that'd be great and so we all know what it's like to invest in things that are important and when our kids are driving, let me just tell you something. Don't ever stop coaching them if you're in the passenger seat. Don't ever don't ever stop and say, hey, this is important. You probably should think about all these things as you're driving. Like, just continue to do that. Why? Because we know we will never as parents stop giving them advice on things that are important. But here's what Moses is saying. Moses is saying, impress them on their hearts. And what he's saying is this Hebrew word gets to the idea of do it so much to where they actually know it, and believe it, and understand it, until they, until they learn it. And by the way, I would just say this, as a rule of thumb, uh, uh, much more is caught rather than taught. You know what I'm saying there? Like, in other words, like, if you live it, they'll live it. If you just teach it and don't live it, they're not going to live it, right? There's a lot more that's caught than taught, uh, which, uh, which I believe is why Moses says, let's start with you, and then your children, and then their children afterwards." So here's the basic uh, beginning of this series. There's one statement. Uh, It is the statement of the day that you want to write down, and it's this, that two combined influences will make a greater impact than just two influences. Two combined influences will make a greater impact than just two. Two influences. In other words, if you have uh, uh, mom and dad, and let's just say they're they're on the separate pages spiritually, right? They're two influences, but I guess if mom and dad come on the same page and are saying the same things... Two combined influences will make a much greater impact in someone's life than just two influences. So not only within the home is it important for mom and dad to come together, but also think about it this way. Have you ever had another adult or another influence in your child's life say the same things that you say and then somehow it's way more effective when they say it? I would never forget the first time that happened. My daughter, Sarah, in in this case, it was a pastor guy. But uh, I remember the first time, my oldest daughter, Sarah, she was attending uh, uh, Edge at Troy uh, at one particular time uh, before we moved over here. And um, Dan Sadler was her youth pastor. And I remember being in the back of the auditorium and she was in the front with her friends and I was in the back kind of, doing the leadership thing. And I remember listening to Dan's message and she comes out and she goes, Dad, she goes, my life has changed forever. You know, and she, and she just went over the whole things. And she says, he said this and this, and I've never heard it that way before. And all I kept on thinking is, I've preached that sermon like 10 times with you in the front row. What are you talking about? And then I remember thinking like, we've had this conversation at home. We've had all that for some reason, when Dan says it, <laughs> All of a sudden, like, you know, it's the most powerful thing you've ever heard, right? But, but, but yet, yet, you, you know what this is like, don't you, right? Sometimes it'll be a coach. It won't be a pastor. It'll be a teacher. Sometimes it's a favorite uncle or a single adult or whoever it is. But when somebody that they look up to says the same thing that you say, man, there's power in that, isn't there? And so two combined influences will make a greater impact than just two influences. And and then uh, and also that it's, it also reinforces the idea that it, uh, imagine if the home and the church were teaching the same things. Imagine if the home and the church, as a general unit, were were, were pouring into your child and saying the same things. So I got to tell you a real quick story. Um, I decided to tell you the story about Stephen, my son. Uh, many of you already know this, but uh, we've had a heck of a year and a half or two years with Stephen. Uh, a couple of years back, uh, about a year and a half ago, I guess maybe. Almost two years ago, uh, my son took a uh, uh, just a regular, normal prescription medication for acne, Accutane, and there was like a 0.005% chance that he was going to uh, suffer with these big warning labels that you sign, and he he, he did all he, he reacted poorly in every area. And so he ended up with a um, chemical imbalance in his brain, and now he struggles with anxiety and depression, and he's, he's on medication, and then they went through a phase of over-medicating. And, and basically, his whole senior year, he doesn't even remember. It wasn't even a good senior year. It was just basically... The worst ever. And as he prepared for college, uh, he, you know, weaned himself off and we got, you know, medicated in the right way. And, and so then he wanted to be a pastor, you know, of all things, he just switched to that. I'm thinking like, you know, where did that come from? But, you know, so he wanted to be a pastor. So then he goes off to Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. And then that didn't work out the way that we wanted it to work out. And so he came back home and like in November. And so there was a big, long journey with that. And so he eventually got a job at Kensington as an intern. And so, uh, you know, these last several months, come to find out, I guess he's really good at what he does. So he, he interns with Caitlin McGuire at the Troy campus, who runs the student ministries at Troy. And the reason why that was is because I told him, just don't work for me. You can work anywhere, in Kensington, Just don't work for me. It's not a good idea. Just, you know, just go learn from somebody else. And so he, he ended up at Troy, and I guess he's really good at it. So, so come to find out, Caitlin McGuire, his direct boss, she is now. Uh, partnered with a guy named Eric Bledsoe. And any of you guys know Eric Bledsoe from Men Up? Okay, Eric Bledsoe is a, a guy that we know in Kensington. He actually talked Caitlin McGuire into, tongue-in-cheek, going to leave Kensington to go down to Nashville to start a church. And so she says, hey, I'm leaving Kensington. I'm going down to start a church. So I'm thinking, man, that's great, because that's what Kensington does, right? We, we, if God's calling you to go, you go. But then... Caitlin had enough nerve to ask my son if he wanted to be on staff with them. And and she she said, and and I say that tongue in cheek, she said, hey, I would like you to be the third staff member to raise your support and move down to Nashville to be in charge of the student ministries under my mentorship, right? And so he comes to me and he's like, she asked me to go to Nashville. I'm like, is she crazy? You know, he's doing his Moody Bible Institute. He's still getting his degree online, which means technically he can go anywhere. But I'm like, is she crazy? What is she talking about? And all of a sudden, like he prays about it and he seeks counsel and he makes all these lists. And and like six days later, he comes home and says, oh, by the way, I told Caitlin, yes. I'm like, what do you mean you told her? Yes, you're moving to Nashville. So this is technically the first public announcement. My son, I guess, is going to Nashville to start a church. (laughs) Right? Pretty cool. But the point of this story is, is that I reacted like a schizophrenic. Because I have the parent side, but then I have the pastor, mentor, leader side, right? So my parent side is like, what are you saying to me right now? And he's like, "Oh, and by the way, I leave in June." I'm like, "What are you talking about? June that's like in 5 minutes." And then he's like, "Oh, I got to raise 2 years of salary." It's like, raise $40,000. It's like 80 you got to raise $80,000 in 4 months. That's impossible. What are you saying? And then he's like, "Oh, and by the way, he's like, "I'm going to be in charge of all the student ministries." I'm like, "What? What are you saying? There's no other staff member you are the one in charge? Like the one who makes decisions and stuff?" And he's like, "Yes." And I'm like, "What are you saying?" Now, the other side of me, the pastor's side of me, would have reacted completely different. The pastor's side, had it not been my child, would have said, well, absolutely go for it. You're 19. You're good at what you do. God has called you. Of course, go, right? So I've got both things happening and I'm just, I'm just like unbelievable. So I'm, I'm reacting in both ways. I'm like, well, I understand this, but what? And I'm going back and forth. And then here's the thing. He starts responding to every concern I have. And as he's responding, all I hear in him is my own voice, And he's actually saying things, he's actually using my own words against me. And he's like, well, dad, you've always said, and I'm like, don't mind what I said, forget that. And then he starts responding and I'm hearing my wife's words in him. And he's responding with the same things that Liz has poured into him. And then this really made me mad. He actually went as far as to actually use Steve Andrews words in his response. (laughs) And I'm not kidding. We actually did like a little building tour with a small group of people. And he was actually kind of announcing that to them. And he said, uh, you know, he says, God called me to go. And he goes, and thanks to this place. He goes, we, I, he goes I knew how to respond. I, I'm going because that's what God calls us to do. I'm thinking, I've heard Steve say that before. I, I was so thrilled and wanted to cry and yet wanted to wrangle St- Steve's throat because I'm like, of course he's going to respond. I'm saying all that tongue in cheek. I'm excited, but I got to tell you something. It was a beautiful thing to try to go through this emotional, big, huge announcement and actually see that, of course, he's going to respond that way. He's responding the way that I've poured into him, the way that Liz has poured into him, and the way that Steve Andrews and this place and you, in some ways, have poured into him. So let me give you a few different uh, bullet points underneath this major statement. And we've already kind of touched on the first one, which is this. Every kid needs an adult other than their parents speaking in their lives. Now, I put that on there because for you, I just want to just say this. Probably you have an influence, an adult influence saying the same things that you are saying. But if you don't, you need one. I promise you, you need one. You need somebody else in their lives influencing them saying the same things that you're saying because they'll listen to them in ways that they'll never listen to you. But ultimately you'll get over it and realize they really are listening to you because they're hearing people that respect say the same things that you said, which is ultimately listen to you. Secondly, grow in your relationship with those who are speaking into your son or your daughter's life. In other words, what I'm saying is, is that if you have another influence and it's a good influence, don't be, don't take for granted that good influence. Don't think to yourself, well, it's a good influence, they're a good person, so I'm not gonna engage in a relationship with them because what we understand is is that two combined influences make a much greater impact than just two good influences, right? When you join up together, when you communicate, when you're on the same page, it, it, it is so powerful. So get in a relationship and especially get in a relationship with other people who are important in your children's lives that are not good influences because you can press into that and make a difference. And then finally, it's this. Choose predetermined submission to God in your parenting choose predetermined submission to God in your parenting. What I mean by that is the most important influence in both our life and the life of our kids is God. He is our true north. And so we must decide first to line up and decide what we're going to submit to, not our own advice, not our parents' advice, not our worldly wisdom, but rather what does God have to say about it. And so when we predetermine and get on the same page, we have to recognize that is the That is the essential step before even moving forward with our influence. So imagine a world where every child has another adult influence echoing the same thing that they heard from their parents. I believe that is a picture of the church. Um, So here's two questions that you want to ask yourself, and it's these two questions. Number one, who other than me will my son or daughter go to? It's a great question. And then the second question is, whose life other than my family will I choose to show up to? Right. In other words, like who Like when I consider my own child, I'm asking the question, who other than me will my son or daughter go to? That's a great question to ask. And then when it comes to people who are not your children and maybe that maybe God is calling you to pour into the life of another child. That's not your child or grandchild. You ask the question, whose life other than my family will I choose to show up to? because I believe that God does call us to both. Because I have three kids, but I tell you right now, I look for every opportunity to speak into the lives of the children that I have influence over. At least I try to. And I believe that God is calling all of us to do that. Ask these two questions as we consider the very first steps of this awesome series that we're diving into. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for this day and we ask that you would help us to respond the way that you want us to respond. Lord, we love you and we ask you to encourage us and to help us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're gonna be watching a video right now of uh, teenagers as we ask them about their faith and family. And as our ushers are coming down, we just wanna take this moment to receive our offering. And as... uh, I just want to say this, if you're visiting here today, don't worry about this moment. You can give if you'd like, but it's part of a Kensington moment for Kensington people who consider this their church home. I want to thank you in advance for trusting God and trusting his word and what he says about living open-handedly, and then also for trusting us and our leadership, uh, because we believe that it's the way that God designed the church. He designed the church for us to have individual faith in giving, and then corporately to do more together than we ever could apart. So as the offering is passing, I'd love for you to watch this video as we listen to high school students talk about faith and family.
4: the words to speak through us and to the people who are going to watch this video. And just
1: be a testimony of what you've done in their life. So we love you, Jesus. It's your name we pray. Amen. 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 Cool. Take
4: one.
1: <laughs> Why don't you guys share a little bit about how you guys met, became um, so close.
3: We text, we call, we Snapchat, a social media, man. <laughs>
1: Bonded
0: a lot, worshiped together.
3: Yeah, well, when we're worshiping at Edge, He'll, he'll be sitting down struggling. I'm like, I got you. God's with you and all that stuff. And we're just there for each other
1: ever since then. He's just a brother who's got my back. And he's the brother who's got my back. That's awesome. So how do you feel like you're like what you learned with your families or through Edge and Breakaway, like set you up to really bring your faith outside of church?
4: Yeah, Breakaway and Edge is such a place where you just walk in and you're safe and it's literally like my second home and my (laughs) lifelong friends like my best friends are from edge like that Mm -hmm. I met and built relationships with and everyone who goes are just real and like they they want to they care about you like you'll walk in and you'll be alone and someone from edge will be like hey come sit with me my friends like and I couldn't encourage you more to just go for it so one of the small group leaders at, at EDGE, um, I met with her towards the beginning of the year, and she was talking about how when you get to college, there's one of two outcomes. Either you continue to follow Christ, or you fall off and you fall into the ways of the world. And I think that just like really shifted my perspective, and I was like, wow, like I only want to like follow Christ.
1: Can you guys like, recall maybe a specific moment um, at home with mom and dad or the family where like you really saw your parents leading you to Jesus and helping your relationship with God.
4: My parents came to this church because of the K Rock program that was here and that was the year my parents almost got a divorce actually so it was super hard for my family. You know my parents like definitely could have taken the easy way out and like left each other but the service that was going on like the message that they heard was Like, in a marriage, like, you gotta fight for one another, and you gotta fight for your family. Like, sometimes it's gonna be hard. Like, my family isn't perfect. Like, we have our issues a lot. But because, like, we have God, we have, like, a foundation. In sixth grade, my father passed away, and that was probably the hardest times for me, seventh and sixth grade. That's when I really started to, like, think about thoughts of suicide and... My mom stayed really, really strong while I got really low. And she would, take, she would take me to church every Sunday morning and talk about every single day how God is great and why he will never leave you no matter what, even at
1: your lowest times. So what would you say to, like, families or students um, of kind of the importance of creating God at the center of your family environment?
3: Well, what me and my family do is before dinner we pray we read a little bit of scripture. I think that that's also really important because it's just a time that our whole family can connect and talk about God, which really doesn't happen because we're all so busy.
4: I wouldn't be here without my parents. I wouldn't be at this church. I wouldn't even believe in God without my parents. And to think of that, it's pretty insane because my like your parents have such a huge impact on who you are like as a person. And who you become. And there's so much importance in like pouring into your kid and letting them know how loved they are and how much Jesus loves them too.
2: That's awesome. I don't know about you, but for me, watching a high schooler or a middle schooler talk about their faith and how They've made a decision that will literally change their life. And as they talk about their faith, i think to myself, there's almost nothing better. Um, it's really powerful. And last week, I wasn't here for Super Bowl. It was the first Super Bowl I've ever missed. But I was speaking up at Spring Hill. They asked me to speak up there to like a 1,000 middle school and high school students all weekend. And that's where I was. Um, and I got to tell you, I came back and my wife told me, she said, you know, I think you're happiest when you speak to high school and, and, and middle school students. Uh, which, by the way doesn't say anything against you guys, like, you know, like they're here and you're just right, like right there. Um, but it is true. A lot, so much of my career has gone into student ministry. And, and I got to tell you, it's just powerful. There's nothing like it. At the end, a high school student will come up or a middle school student, will say, this changed my life. And in light of the big things I'm struggling with, or that God came in and did something great. Now, I want to address something real quick before I introduce to you what I'm holding. Um, and that is, a lot of you in this room, especially during that film, all you want, and maybe even during the message, you're thinking, all I feel is guilt, because there's a window of time that went, you know, that has passed, and I feel like my child was not that. In fact, that, that just irritated me, because, because my child didn't go that way. I got to tell you something. Um, I want you to be encouraged by one central, massive truth that is, as we try our best, and even in our, all of our imperfection, and even in all of our mistakes, just know this, that God is way bigger than you. Because if you consider my family origin, who would have ever have thought, in spite of my family origin, that God would somehow be so sovereign to get a hold of me? And so just be encouraged and know this, like, hey, the, the window may have passed you know, in the past and we can't do anything about that. But guess what you can do? It's never too late to continue to invest. It's never too late to, to continue to be the person that God has called you to be and just understand that God is sovereign and that God will use you know, the circumstances of life and other influences in our children's lives well beyond our influence, right? Because that's what God is in the business of doing. He 's in the business of redeeming mistakes and so just know this I just want you to be encouraged and just know that God is bigger than that and so for you just just pr- just pray those two questions right just pray those two questions who can I invest in and partner with who 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 can I invest in and partner with outside my home and inside my home and um this right here that I'm holding is, is what's known in the Jewish community as the Shema. It's Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. And these are, this is a decal that we're going to give to you, one per family. I need to say that again, one per family, on your way out to grab this and to put it on maybe a mirror. You know, Maybe the mirror that your children look at on their way out in the morning. Or maybe it's just for you or on your car or wherever it is. But it's removable and you could go ahead and put it. Uh, somewhere else. And I got to tell you, there's power in this because the scripture tells us that, w- that we are called to, you know, write this on our doorposts and put it on our gates. And we're supposed to talk about it with our kids. And the scripture goes on even further than I read. It talks about how we should do this always with our kids. When we lie down, when they go to bed, when they get up in the morning, as we are walking along with them in life, all this time, we are called to instill the word of God in their lives. So here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to end our time together a little bit differently. Uh, In just a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand up and we're going to read from the screen what's traditionally known as the Shema. And then we're going to read it as a declaration. And this declaration is going to stand as a moment for some of us to say, regardless of what I've done in the past, I'm going to try my best to take this thing, put it somewhere in a place of prominence, and I will try my very best to do what this scripture says. And So we're starting our series that way, and then you're going to be dismissed, and you're going to walk out, and a lot of you are going to go to the lobby. I can't stress enough, Breakaway and Edge, Parenting Class, all that stuff's available for you today, okay? So let's go ahead and stand up. Let's bring that up on the screen, and let's read this as a declaration together. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind the man a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorsteps of your house and on your gates. I pray that that would be the cry of our community together, that we realize that we're in this together. Grab one of these and we will see you next week. God bless you. Thank you for being here.